Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Full Chat, the weekly F1 news and discussion show that's determined to get to at least the car launches before the inevitable pod fade. I'm Brad Philpott and as always I've done my best to scrape the motorsport barrel for some winter F1 content and we want you to add your views and join in the discussion in our live YouTube chat. Remember, any Super Chat questions get a guaranteed answer, but even if you're a cheapskate and don't pay us any money, we'll probably answer you anyway. Tonight, we discuss the latest drama between the FIA and F1 slash Liberty Media. We talk about the confirmed changes to Barcelona and how other tracks have changed over the years. In history with Alex and Brad, we remember the BAR bet that caused the team so much damage in 1999. And as always, we answer your questions in real time as you send them in. Joining me, as always, a former semi-decent kart racer who puts the ton in Hamilton, my co-host and former best mate, probably, Alex Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? (laughs) We're going great till then, to bring up my inevitable weight and eating problems. Um, I'm so glad that rum accidentally fell into my Coke this evening. Well, I've got a non-alcoholic Guinness here on the go. It's ridiculous. Um, You have an Irish partner who has an Irish family, and you have non-alcoholic Guinness. I don't know how they don't disown you. It's actually really, really nice. Um, Guinness is horrible, though. uh, So before we get going, a quick reminder, if you're joining us on the Twitter space and want to get involved in the chat, head to YouTube. The link's in my Twitter profile or just search for Brad Philpott on YouTube. And you might have noticed that there wasn't an episode last week, and that's because there was a slight medical emergency for my fiance. uh, But she's on the mend and we are back. So what have you been up to this week, Alex? Lots of work, annoyingly. It's been rather depressing having to have to drive up and down the country all the time because um, all of a sudden it's a new year and everybody wants to see you. So I've been very, very busy. Um, however, I did um, see a customer who likes Formula One and I literally took his phone and made him subscribe to our podcast and gave it a five-star review. So if you are listening to this on your podcatcher of choice, make sure you give us a five-star review. 
Okay, well, I dro- I did a lot of driving too. Um, mine was kind of to Milton Keynes and back, so that's about 20 minutes from my house. And that's because this past weekend was the British Rental Car Championship, which is my thing that I run. And we kind of co-created um, a long time ago now. We did. 12 years ago. Um, and it's bigger, bigger and better and... Like it's a proper event now, and and I am still exhausted from the weekend. It was um, it was really crazy. And you watched it? I did watch it. I was watching with. It's funny. I I didn't get to get to the final last year, and I didn't get to any of it this year. It's the first year I've not got to any of it, and it made me sad. But the reason. I didn't get to any of it because I was doing lots of virtual racing too because this weekend was the virtual Daytona 24-hour um, with 16,000 drivers, 4,000 teams, over over 85 splits. Um, and that was going really, really well until the 21st hour and Stuffy stuffed it in the wall. And if you want to see that video of Alex um, having his head in his hands and being very sad about a pretend car crash you can see that on his twitter profile i imagine my twitter I my tiktok mostly on my tiktok to be honest okay well i was sad about that too for you because i know how how hard those races are and um and i look forward to doing some of them soon um so we'll talk a bit more maybe about sim racing later but maybe we should get on to our real formula one topics for this week um and they are the first one the big drama that is i think it was andrew benson from the bbc who kind of revealed that Formula One slash Liberty Media, who own the commercial rights to the Formula One series, um, have hit back with a legal letter to the FIA after Mohammed Ben Salem earlier this week um, expressed his dissatisfaction about um, a $20 billion valuation put on Formula One, supposedly by a Saudi Arabian potential buyer. Did that, did that all make sense? Um, I mean, it's F1 politics and F1 business. It never makes any sense. Um, but the Saudis seem to be wanting to buy everything at the moment um, because they have all the money in the world. Um, you know, they were even looking at buying WWE. So could you imagine having the same business that owns WWE owning F1 and then they'll like merge the two together and then we will get scripted finishes a bit like in Abu Dhabi 2021. I was going to say, we might have already seen a bit of WWE already in Formula One. Um, Let's just back up and try and explain for for those of us and and partially that is us too who don't completely understand the full situation and how all these different entities are related. So the FIA are the people who fully own the Formula One racing championship that we all watch. However, they sold the rights to what would have been Formula One management back in the early 2000s. And they sold those rights for 100 years. So it was a 100-year lease. And they basically said, someone is going to pay us a bunch of money to uh, effectively be able to publicize, promote, and you know run the championship aside from the sporting or regulatory running of the championship. And that would have been Formula One management, which, if I'm not mistaken, was the Bernie Eccleston group, is th- those guys. I think Max Mosley sold it for about $100 million back then, early 2000s. In 2017, that was then sold. Those same rights were sold to Liberty Media, who we know and love, for, I think, around about $8 billion 
quite a big uplift. So um, Formula One management or the Bernie group would have earned a lot of money from that. This new valuation or, or kind of proposed valuation is more like 20 billion. We don't know if that's necessarily real it's or insane not. insane money. And that is what uh, Mohammed Ben Salem is taking issue with. And he, he came up publicly and, and basically said, any potential buyers of Formula One, um, you know, use your common sense and um, think about the future of the sport. The liberty side of things were not very happy about that, as you wouldn't be if someone came and told your potential customers to not pay as much as they were saying they were going to pay. Um, and they've effectively threatened legal action and said, FIA, get back in your box. You you don't own the rights to this championship for another 80-odd years, so maybe just keep quiet and let us deal with a, with the commercial side. So I think that's that's a summary of it. Yeah, it's it's pretty extreme as well, especially to come out on Twitter and talk about it. But I I understand Ben Salim's um, concerns for not wanting the Saudis to just devalue the sport um, because of a lot of their human rights issues and all of a myriad of other things that people don't like the Saudi governments for um, to to have them run a sport like Formula One. We have no idea what they will do with regards to, you know, the extra diversity that we're trying to get into the sport with um, the people of colour and the uh, and the women that we're trying to in, get more of these people into the sport to make the sport more diverse. And they won't have any of that. Um, so I think it could be a massive step back for the sport and all Liberty Media are doing are going, shut up, Ben, we want our money, you know. You know, to, to go from 8 billion to 10 to 20 billion is a really, really nice return on, what was it, 2014 they bought the, they bought the sport? 2017. 2017, um, sorry. Yeah, that, that's a hell of a, a return on investment in six years. So here's a question for you then, because you seem to know a bit more about the other sports that, that might have been bought by Saudi investment funds in the past. Um, has that happened? Ha- have the... Have they gone backwards in terms of diversity, inclusion, um, you know, uh, women's participation? Or or are they literally just treating it like a business and they just are the owners and it kind of carries on running as it was? I, I, I'm not actually sure what other things they've bought, bought in the past. I, I'm a follower of WWE, so I know the things because so there's been various events in Saudi Arabia for WWE and they have very strict restri- very strict restrictions on who can participate um, they've let women participate but under very strict rules on how they must be dressed um, there are people there are superstars who don't want to go there and now they're considering buying the sport um, and that's been not been met very positively from a lot of the people involved in that business and I can only see that passing over unless they just treat it like a business but we'll never know until uh, until it happens but I don't know why they want to sell it yet so from my point of view I've actually turned down work motorsport related work in Saudi Arabia um, because of my own anti-religious views and I say anti-religious view I mean I my own professed atheism. You know, we can we can say things out loud on this show. I forgot. I don't even need to. We don't need to kind of tiptoe around any issue because this is literally our show. But I have I've said no to money because I, although it would have been fine, I'm sure it would have been fine. I don't want to take the risk of going to somewhere where there are laws against being who you are. That's I mean, for me, that's that's one thing. For someone who might be homosexual, 
that it wouldn't feel very you wouldn't feel very happy safe necessarily traveling to somewhere where you you are effectively illegal for being you um and so i kind of do i do understand the concerns with the saudi buyers however from a purely business point of view so from a legal standpoint i think the fia have kind of overstepped their reach here and are probably not allowed to have said on a on the official fia account on twitter the things that um ben salem said well they're technically devaluing a product which i'm pretty certain there's laws against so it could be very interesting what uh, the ramifications could be for Ben Salayam. Um We've got uh, Tom has mentioned in the chat that I get the feeling that Ben Salayam is desperate to be seen as the glorious ringmaster like Bernie was in his day. As a result, in my opinion, he's just destroying the lack of good reputation the FIA has. Does the FIA have a good reputation? I, I think by I think he said lack of good reputation anyway. Um, this one, the lack also, of a good reputation. We also have F1 Mia Ham saying uh, asking if Ben Salem is fit for the role, and I mean regardless of what we what we think, maybe we actually agree with him that we'd rather the sport wasn't run by you know an unknown Saudi investment firm or whatever. Although you know maybe they would just be in it to make money and they just want it to carry on as it was. But maybe we share those concerns, but. He he shouldn't have said it in the way he said it. Maybe I don't know. Um, that's that's my views on that. Uh, in terms of, I'm also a little bit cagey about the fact we even go to certain countries like Saudi Arabia. I mean, and that's that's just from the the issues we've addressed there. The circuit itself, I also think, is way too dangerous. But that's a separate issue. But I tell you what, talking about circuit. Sorry, go on. The, go with it. regards to the Saudi track and you're talking about the Saudi track is too dangerous. It's like they threw all the rules that they told us for years about tracks, about how they have to be laid out with runoffs and things like that. It's like they went, oh, but the Saudis are giving us loads and loads of money, so let's just forget the rule book. And then all of a sudden, the um, chicane that they removed, that they've had at Abu Dhabi since its inception, magically now they've managed to remove it, even though for years we were told they couldn't remove that chicane because they couldn't move the... um, runoff area behind it further back because there's a hotel there um so it just seems like they want to have the likes of saudi and qatar uh, and these eastern european eastern european eastern um middle eastern middle eastern that's the word i'm looking for oil oil wealth oil wealth businesses to prop up the rest of the calendar because i'm certain places like imola don't play don't pay anywhere near as much money as some of those middle eastern countries so we've had dodgy morals in F1 ever since I've watched it, and I think probably before, but on just different Wasn't issues. that mostly Bernie? Do you remember when every team was effectively sponsored by a cigarette company? And you'd go to the British Grand Prix and there would be you'd be being basically forced packets of cigarettes into your hands by Benson Hedges and Marlborough and those kind of guys. Is that, that morally dodgy? I mean, it looks morally dodgy now, because of the way the world now thinks about smoking. But back then, smoking was a fashion thing. Uh, no, I mean, it's still a fashion thing, but we, but we, then, we knew back then. I mean, I'm talking... I don't think anyone two- who smokes is fashionable. Th- that's the perception change now, but it was, it was very well known that smoking was bad for your health. I mean, we're, we're talking about in the period where it still said it on the packets. You know, it, it still told you... All the dangers of smoking on the packets. It was. It, we've known about this for decades. What um, year was so, Benson and Hedges? Ninety-seven. 
Um, so Benson Hedges sponsored Jordan from 1996 until, um, I guess, around 2004 or five. Oh, when, when did we, that regulation come in? When did they ban cigarette sponsors? You, you, you do the intro. You do the intro the next bit, and I'll research when they um, dropped cigarette sponsorship. Yeah, or, or we could get our chat to tell us. But yeah, you go for that, and and let's take a little look at our next topic because you mentioned track changes. Um, um, and Creature Saintly asks uh, is posting in the chat. British cigarettes stop saying they're bad for your health on the package. Uh, no, Creature Saintly. What we were saying when they started saying that the the dangers of cigarette smoke have been known for quite some time, and the companies were selling them or forcing them into our hands at Grand Prix, um, well, in that knowledge. So they, were anyway, banned, they were banned in 2001. Okay. Oh, that's, that's actually um, earlier than I thought. So the Jordans just stayed yellow. Alex, I've covered your face up on the YouTube stream with a picture of a track, and that track is Barcelona. It's the final couple of corners. We touched upon this briefly a few episodes ago, actually before we were a podcast. So anyone joining us on a podcatcher probably hasn't heard this. But Barcelona had a chicane put in, in the final sector, quite a few years ago now, to remove the high-speed flowing right-hander that led onto the main straight. And this was done, I believe, because they uh, the, the kind of common assumption was that it was difficult to follow cars through fast corners. You know, that, that was a thing. It was the, the dirty air would make it difficult to follow through fast corners. Therefore, the cars would be too spread out onto the main straight, and the overtaking opportunity at turn one wasn't as clear. Um, this chicane went in. A lot of us thought it was for the motorcycle racing, but apparently they used the old layout anyway, um, and they don't even use the, the fiddly chicane. But anyway, with the new breed of Formula One cars, we now have cars that can follow more closely anyway in the high speed. And so I think we have finally seen the end of that horrible, fiddly, twisty chicane at the end of the Spanish Grand Prix lap. Alex, what do you think about this and why is it a good thing? I mean, I, I don't even think chicanes as an essence are a bad thing. It's just that one was a particularly awful chicane. It was a really, really low speed first gear chicane with horrible, horrible sausage curbs where you've, if you made the slightest tiny error, you're launched up into the air. I mean, I hate sausage curbs anyway. We can probably make half a show talking about how awful sausage curbs are um but for this to go we'll just open up the racing now they they misguidedly put that chicane in to bunch the cars up to um make racing better and that never happened it always just made racing worse and they took away an overtaking opportunity and as you said we have talked about this before and what i mentioned last time was they've already taken away another overtaking opportunity at the turn 10 hairpin by opening it up and elongating it which makes it more difficult to ever take out because it isn't a big stop so putting this in has actually given back an overtaking opportunity the cars can follow better now through the high speed corners we can hit the drs and they'll have to tune it because i'm guarantee this year it will be far too powerful and we will see some really really silly overtakes but if they're able to tune it it will be perfect and it will just bring back a bit of spice to that circuit, which is a fantastic circuit to drive, but not the best to race on. Yeah, so you're right. If the DRS zone stays the same, it's you're going to see cars just driving past way too soon, aren't you? But that that fiddly chicane at least was an error generator. People, people could kind of get it a bit wrong and that could give someone behind an opportunity to get it right and be a bit closer onto the straight. But 
I agree. I think with this with this year's cars and, and obviously last year's cars being better at following through high speed corners, we can we can do away with it. We can have just a, a more flowing, nicer track. It's just a bit more natural for these pretty big, wide F1 cars that we have nowadays. I just hope iRacing um, implement it pretty quickly because um, it's not really an option on iRacing and I really, really hate that chicane. Okay, so whilst we're briefly talking about iRacing, I know um, you know some podcasts try and stay away from pretend race cars because it annoys people. But we can talk about whatever we want because this is literally what this this whole thing is just us having a chat. You have created a pretend race series, or you are creating one. Um, we're, 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 I'm in the process of talking about it. I wasn't planning on talking about it now, but you've brought it up. I think we should. Um, the reason and- I bring it up is because it's, it's this isn't this is exploring the the kind of outer edges of what sim racing is. There was mm-hmm. some controversy this week because after the pretty terrible virtual Le Mans that happened oh, last so weekend, bad. which is run on the R Factor platform. This past weekend, just gone a couple of days ago, was the iRacing Daytona 24 Hours, which had its own issues, but in a different way. It was um, people exploiting loopholes, effectively, to that you wouldn't be allowed to do in real life, but are you are capable of doing them in this particular sim, such as driving on the apron around the Daytona banking. So that is the flat bit at the bottom of the bank corner. In real life, you wouldn't be allowed to do it. In iRacing, it wasn't policed or, or wasn't policed in a way that would stop you still setting pole position by doing it. And and therefore, there's been some discussion about where's the line between real racing and, and sim racing and why do we draw that line? Do we want sim racing to be as realistic as possible and as close to real life? Or is it its own separate sport, effectively, where you should do whatever you can get away with? And Alex is creating a sim series which kind of blurs those lines. So, going to go back to what you said about with regards to what happened in the D24. So, the top split, um, which is obviously the highest rated people, so the best uh, simulated, simu- yeah. best esport racing drivers in the world who are competing at the top level, um, the one of the teams is Williams Esports. Now, the Williams Esports main driver, their top driver, I can't remember his name. I think it's Alex something, actually, funnily enough. Um, he's much better than me, though. Um, he was streaming his qualifying, and what he did was on the banking of the Daytona of the Daytona circuit. If you drop into the apron, if you don't know what the apron is on a on an oval circuit, you have the banking. I already told them. Did you? I wasn't listening yeah. to you. I was, getting, I was getting text messages about why am I talking about a series that hasn't been actually announced yet. So thanks, Brad. Um, yeah, so what they were doing is he was cutting, basically cutting the track, but because iRacing doesn't penalise you for it. And he streamed it. And what happened was the only penalty that the team got was obviously they got bashed on social media, but the driver has been banned from iRacing for a week. But that's not that doesn't happen live in the race, does it? So the result happens, and then afterwards, someone else can protest them, and then Correct. iRacing do something about it. There are no live stewards; it's all kind of automated within the sim. And just to answer Connor Edwards, he also says, um, "How is that faster? The flat bit of the corner is too tight to take flat out, isn't it?" But no, it's not. With the downforce those cars Absolutely produce, 
you can just basically take a shorter line around the inside. Exactly that. And um, the, the, the thing is, is the punishment isn't that bad. You know, he doesn't get to play iRacing for a week or and doesn't, get to simulate, doesn't get to simulate on iRacing for a week. And they haven't had their win taken away. They qualified on pole and they then went on to win the race. Listen, it's a 24 hour. They probably could have started last and still probably won the race. But at the end of the day, it doesn't affect it. I mean, there was somebody doing an F3 series and a Formula Renault 2.0 series once who I'm pretty certain wiped out his competition on the very last lap, on the very last race of the championship and won the championship and didn't mind if he got protested. Do you know anything about that, Brad? I wasn't listening to you. I was just answering <laughs> chat. So, so. Was, that something, was that something bad about me? Yes. It was um, it, it, it was you during the, what you did in the Renault 2.0 championship. Oh yeah, okay. I, I do I do understand your reference. Anyway, um, <laughs> the the reason I mentioned this, as I said, is because Alex. Am I allowed to talk about this? Are you going to get in trouble? Um, I'm not going to get in trouble. I wasn't really going to talk about it. Basically, me and my dear friend Kyle Power um, have been talking about alternate races in iRacing. So in iRacing, you get the virtual Le Mans or sorry, in sim racing you get the virtual Le Mans you get the virtual Bathurst you get the virtual Daytona you get um, all sorts of other uh, virtual they've got the Sebring 12 hour coming up in February that I'll be doing and uh, me and Carl have been thinking about this for a while but what's triggered this to happen quickly is Alex Brundle put a tweet out about sim racing it's like why do we just do the stuff that happens in real life why don't you use the platform to try different races in different cars on different tracks that you wouldn't see in real life and, you know, have some fantasy and some fun with it. So there's an event that me and Kyle are going to put together as a bit of a test. um, And then there'll be a longer race and then maybe a series out of it. We are very much testing the water and I was not planning on talking about this tonight. And I can't wait for more text messages from Kyle. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But anyway, that, that's going to be a cool thing when it happens. Um, but there was a reason. There was a reason that we were kind of, I was alluding to that. You, you, your series reminded me of something. I think it's because of what different cars are capable of doing um, that, you know, in real life, they might do a thing, but in the sim, they might not or vice versa. And one thing you would do in a sim is you just take a corner flat out to try it because it, you know, if it goes wrong, it doesn't really matter. You can just try again. Um, and that's a thing that happened in real life in Formula One back in 1999. And this brings us on to the history of Alex and Brad. On YouTube, you'll see I put up a little icon that says, oh no, and that's O as in O Rouge. And that is because in 1999, Jacques Villeneuve and his teammate Ricardo Zonta, uh, was it a bet, Alex? Was this a, was this a bet or was it just kind of some, some gentle ribbing within the team? They, they dared each other to take the corner flat. Is that what happened? So what had happened was, in 1994, after the passing of Ayrton Senna, they started sticking chicanes in basically every F1 track around the, country, around the world, um, including at the bottom of Eau Rouge, which I had totally forgotten about until I started researching this. And um, in the following year, they started taking the chicanes away, but they put more gravel traps and runoff areas and tyre barriers and all these sorts of different things. In 1999, they moved the wall back and opened up Eau Rouge to basically what we have, I say today, but they've made massive changes to it in the last 18 months. So um, 
not what we have today, but to what we had very, very recently. And Jacques Villeneuve came out, and I mean, I have the quote somewhere here, and my page has moved. Um, he came out and said, the corner is easier now. Visually, it's not as impressive as it used to be. It's going to be flat out. So him and his teammate, Ricardo Zonta at BAR, bear in mind, BAR were a mid to back end of the grid team and weren't massively financed. And they had a bet, who can go through a rouge flat out first? There um, is some. There is like one other point of context before you tell us what happened. Go on. The previous year, Jacques Villeneuve had a massive crash at yes, Eau Rouge. He didn't, he rolled it. Hang on, is it Radion, actually? Is that Radion what, is and Eau Rouge. So Eau Rouge, it's called Eau Rouge because of the river, the, the, the heavy iron, the iron, iron rich, rich? iron rich river that runs underneath um, Eau Rouge. But um, everyone calls it different bits and pieces, but I think to the heart, it's just Eau Rouge. Forget Radion. Um, just call it Eau Rouge. It's just, it's just, it, you seem like less of a twat if you just call it Eau Rouge. If you start going, oh, actually, no, that's Fadion, you sound like a twat. So it's anyway. the top, isn't it? It's the top of Eau Rouge. It's the, the, the top. The top the of Eau Rouge is Radion, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. anyway, irrelevant. Um, so uh, it was in qualifying as well. This is, this is the worst thing about it was they both totally fucked up their qualifyings because Villeneuve goes first and goes into it, does his out, does his outlap. Goes in, flat out, smashes it up against the wall, rips all four corners off, all four corners off the car, wings, everything. And this is like pre-Halo. This is still in cars that could kill you. Um, and he just got out and walked away. They had a 12-minute break, and then qualifying started up again. Zonta was one of the first people out on track, and then did exactly the same thing and had a bigger shunt than Jack did. Fortunately... Both drivers walked away with no injuries, not even a bruise. Um, and their team principal at the time, whose name has slipped my mind, was not Craig very Pollock. impressed. Craig Pollock. That's the name. I was watching a video just before. Uh, was not impressed with what happened that day. He actually looked quite amused on the in the video on the pit wall. He, he's like almost finds it funny because it's so ridiculous what's just happened. Um, and the way Zonta's crash ends, it's just like he's spinning round. All, all the wheels are gone. And he's spinning round like on the plank round and round and round and round really fast. He must've been extremely dizzy, but we see crashes happen at that corner. Now, uh, you know, we've had a driver lose their life at mm -hmm. the top of that, that section of track, not too long ago in formula two. And we've seen, we've seen plenty of big crashes there. We saw, was it Lando, Norris in the Lando rain? Norris. Um, we saw Magnus in a couple of years before, and you're always terrified, not only about the initial impact, but about the cars then coming and T-boning, uh, you know, a car over a blind crest afterwards. But these guys just like walked away like nothing happened in, in a more dangerous era. It's, it's quite an impressive, impressive shunt to just walk away from. I mean, after, after Senna died, they did, um, they did improve safety massively. I mean, I think if they had those crashes in 1994, I think it would have been a hell of a lot worse, but because they they've raised the side they raised the um, the sides of the cars which was which was the massive thing really but um yeah i i i can't believe that they got away with it and i, I it must have affected bar 
as well. I think they they were pretty well funded. So talking about um, tobacco sponsorship, this is a quite a good link Ooh. to our earlier conversation. Sorry, before before you actually before you go back, Connor Edwards has also mentioned the W Series crash as well, which was incredibly nasty. It just it had literally just started raining as they had gone through La Source, and as they're coming down the hill, they all have no idea of how much grip there's going to be. Those um, W Series cars don't have. Um, great tyres for those conditions. I think they were on slicks. And they like six or seven of them just absolutely piled into the wall. Um, and I think Vaiska Visser went upside down and got hit while she was upside down. Um, that was particularly nasty. Our um, in-house expert Kyle Power in the chat saying Zanardi pretty much ended his first F1 career at Eau Rouge in 93, I believe. I, I'm going to have to look at that afterwards because I don't know that one. Um, so anyway, back to BAR. Um, for those of you who are newer F1 fans, um, and I know we have uh, a decent contingent of Drive to Survivors. Uh, what's the right word? Drive to Survivors? Drive new to survivors. fans. Let's new just call fans. them new fans who are all who, welcome. Who, who would have no reason to have ever heard of or, mm-hmm. or seen BAR. It was British American Racing, which was owned by the British American Tobacco Company, and cigarette companies had so much money to spend on sponsorship. And so I don't think, this, obviously well before any kind of budget cap, I don't think that the money was too much of a problem. Um, I mean, I don't want to teach people how to suck eggs, or, or that, that's not the right phrase. I don't want to, to patronise people about Formula One history, but I, I do like... I do like telling people that might not know a thing some information which to you and I and Kyle Power especially is kind of just something we've known for years. But BAR built the Mercedes factory. So the the Mercedes factory that is pretty similar now to what it was back in 1999 in terms of the buildings and and the site it's on was, was made for that season, for the 1999 season with British American Racing. Um, and up until a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month or so ago, when they renamed the the road Nicky Lauder Way or something like that, it was Adrian, um, I think it's called Reynard Way. Um, Reynard still Way. Reynard, the, the whole site is still called Reynard Park because Adrian Reynard was one of the joint founders of the team. Anyway, there we go. That was a load of um, historical boring stuff for people. <laughs> um what was our next topic, Alex? Um, it was our hopes and fears for the coming year. Hopes and fears, which you've sprung on me. So I'm going to let you go first while I have a think about things. I thought it might be nice to have a bit more of a spontaneous thing. And I was listening to another Formula One podcast on my way here this afternoon. You might have heard of it. It's the Missed Apex F1 podcast. And they were discussing um, some potential performance differences of the Mercedes with whether or not it has its zero pods in the coming year. And that made me think about what do I actually hope we're going to see once the wraps come off some of the new cars. I, I don't really care what the Mercedes looks like, but the thing that I hope is that we have a battle between Mercedes and Ferrari. And it won't be it won't be news to anyone that mm. anyone listening to this that I don't really like Red Bull. Who would have thought, Bradley? In fact, you know, as much as football fans have a team that they really hate, I'm sure. What is it? Is it Man United hate Man City? Is that a thing? Man or? United mostly hate mostly hate Liverpool. Liverpool they only, they only hate, hate Man City in the recent years because Man City got got good. And Liverpool hate Everton, like you know that that kind of level of Arsenal uh, hate Spurs, sporting sporting dislike. Everybody I hates save that for Red Bull, and it used to be Ferrari. I used to hate Ferrari. Um, I used to think that it was in in the Schumacher domination years, and I just thought they got special treatment. But I have all that same dislike, but with an extra layer of 
I think they're actually deliberately nefarious. I hold all that for Red Bull. So I hope it's a Mercedes versus Ferrari battle. I, it probably won't be because they've got some ground to catch up. Um, but that that's my number one hope. I've got some others, but is there anything you'd like to see this year? It could be obvious if you want. It, it might, I might even be able to get Um If I want to go for the easy and the basic one, I just want to see Lewis Hamilton take his eighth title. I don't care if he then dances off into the sunset afterwards. I just want to, I just want to see that. Um, but actually, my biggest hope is McLaren have a big bump forward um, because... McLaren have been in the doldrums for far too long and they haven't made enough progress. And I'm pretty certain Lando Norris was fully expecting to be at least fighting for genuine podiums every single race by now and not still fighting with Alpine for fourth in the Constructors' Championship and the odd fourth place. Yep, so I I agree. I've also kind of been a, a half McLaren fan over the years. I, I had a real surge of McLaren fandom towards the end of the Mercedes dominant period, so quite recently. Um, but every year in testing, I thought they were going to do really well, and then they they kind of didn't. They kind of were just not not quite there. Um, so I'm I'm with you. I'd like to see them do well. I'm not. I don't know whether I'm fully behind Lando. I don't know something about him. Just just a little off. I just don't quite trust him. Maybe it's how matey he is with Max. Um, maybe it's just the fact that this is a very new generation and I'm not part of that generation. So maybe I just associate more with the Alonso, okay, boomer. Alonso Hamilton age drivers <laughs> um, because that's more my thing. Um, but but, but no. the, thing, the thing to remember, though, is the likes of Max and Lando and George and Alex Albon um, and Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, they all kind of grew up carting together and up through the series together um you know the whole the whole it was just an incident thing between between it's a brilliant it's the best is it a meme meme yeah yeah it kind of is a meme now but it's a gif or whatever 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 the bottom term is someone young in the in the the chat might tell us whatever Um, they're putting on their tiktoks (laughs) um on their facetimes um on the interwebs um so I think they're all pally just because they've all come up through it together. Um, it will be interesting to see if Lando gets himself in a title contending car, how pally he will be with Max Verstappen. Yeah, so maybe that's a, a big hope. And maybe it's more of a dream than a hope because it's probably not going to happen. But it would be great to see some new rivalry dynamics rather than, you know, I I would love to see, I'm, you know, I'm... I'm quite an open Hamilton fan nowadays for some of those reasons we've just said I kind of agree with his views on lots of moral things we probably disagree on religion but he's not particularly overt he doesn't ever talk about that so I remember there was a time you wanted Nico to beat him yeah probably and I was this is the thing you were you 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 and you and your fiance loved loved a bit loved a bit of Britney I'm I'm not a like absolute you Mm. know diehard fan or haven't always been but I'd like to see him go on to get a you know get the ultimate record of titles. Um we've got Lennart in the in the chat who says, I like Red Bull. I don't like Horner nor Verstappen's driving slash pushing others off the track. Uh, but I think I, I agree with that too, but I I still don't like Red Bull because I think the whole team is steeped in that same culture of gaslighty awfulness. If you don't like those things, 
how do you still say that you like Red Bull unless you're just talking about the drink? Maybe he, you know, there are other, there's another driver and there are other team members. So maybe it's... The Is one. there another driver? I think, I think, um, I think if you asked Christian Horner if there was another driver, he'd have to think about his name for a while. He might say Danny, he might say Daniel Ricciardo first. Very good point. Connor Edwards says he hopes Hulkenberg gets a podium, um, which I would also love to see that. I'd really love to see Hulkenberg get a podium. Probably unlikely in a house, but weird races happen. We just need a random weird wet race and maybe that'll happen. There's another um, um, stat that Hulkenberg can rack up this year. Um, if he doesn't win a race, he will have the most points. If he earns a bunch of points, he will be the driver with the most amount of points who hasn't won a race. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say he could get a good stat, like the most amount of points ever. But I was no. doubting that as you were saying it. No. Okay. Well, that's that's hope. <laughs> I like oh, I sake. like Red Bull except for the RB parts. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, Tangram Shader says, Alex couldn't agree more. Um, I'd like Lewis to take his eighth. I won't even be sad when he retires. Mm. Um, and yeah, same, same here. Um, Carl Power, who always has something good to say, um, points out uh, something which I very much agree with. Red Bull have highlighted how dignified and comparatively honourable the previous Mercedes versus Ferrari rivalry was. Yes, I, even with the Vettel, you know, Vettel being a bit petulant at times and moving the boards and that kind of thing, it's another level of of honour um, and respect between rivals. Even the McLaren versus Ferrari battle back in 07-08, you know, that was a feisty championship between the two. And still, it's not as, they're not as dishonourable as Red Bull seem to be. But I think they have got to a point where they do not give a shit about being honourable anymore, they they don't feel the need to win in the right way, do they? They just no. want to win, right? So that's and that's that's one way of going about it. And uh, I'm sure lots of successful teams and drivers have have had that same attitude in the past. Um, I just don't remember it being to quite such a level in in the years I've been watching. Um, this this isn't just a Red Bull bashing podcast, but we do like to do that sometimes. <laughs> it is fun. However, we might have a guest on in a couple of weeks who is a diehard Red Bull and Max fan, so it might bring some um, alternating opinions in and could be rather entertaining. And. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, can we say their name? Maybe not. Well, anyway, uh, I'd like this person to come on and join us because it would be nice to to point out how wrong someone else is rather than just you and I always being right about everything. And just watch the chat abuse him. I'm looking forward to that. Exactly, exactly. And if and if you are a Red Bull team member, <laughs> a prominent Red Bull team member, um, you know, upper management or one of the drivers and you want to come on the podcast, feel free. Um, just let us know. We'll consider you. Um, uh, and uh, Stephen in the chat, who I don't think I've ever called out a, a comment from Stephen before, says, "I mean, Red Bull seems like the most fun team, at least based on how they market themselves." And I do believe that is that is I, their strategy. I think that used to be the case. They were always the fun team. They had the Red Bull Power Station. They had the float station thing with the swimming pool in it from Monaco. Um, but that seems to have gone. Um, they don't seem to be that warm, fuzzy team anymore. That are going to do something fun. Um, some of their social media is fun. It's like, did you see the uh, video they had a few years ago of them changing tyres in an aeroplane doing a zero-gravity dive? 
I'm sure I did see that. Um, that was awesome. But yeah, may, so maybe it's us that have changed, Alex. Maybe they, maybe they are. We're still, old grumpy men, Bradley. Maybe they are still cool. And no, it's not. Uh, it's all. It's being. On, it's being on the wrong side of every issue that I take. Um, that I take umbrage with. Anyway, I tell you what. Just um, just before we get towards the end of the show, I want to talk about some driving I did. So I mentioned at the start Ooh. of the show that um, it was the British Rental Car Championship. I'm wearing, if you're on the YouTube um, stream, you can see I've got BRKC on my top here. That wasn't intentional. It's just my favorite jumper. Um, but I was racing in the BRKC at the weekend and I didn't win it, but then I don't normally win it. In fact, I've never won it. So there we go. Um, so it wasn't really <laughs> You haven't even won different. it when it was at multiple circuits. You didn't win it. No, but do you remember, Alex, back in the first season, I removed myself from the standings. And Lee Hackworth still beat you. Uh, no, I remember. Well, yeah, because I removed myself from the standings no, just in case. Beat you any- I won but he, but he my... beat you anyway. Probably, I, 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 I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, uh, what I wanted to say not was, Lee Hackworth, Chris Hackworth, Chris Hackworth, Lee Hackett um, Lee were the Hackett. two first champions of the BRKC. But if you if you are even remotely interested in in kart racing or just good motorsport that's like fun to watch and looks like a good event, just check out on youtube just search for brkc and have a look at the highlights video of this year's final it is a phenomenal show of skill and i can say that because i wasn't one of the people in the final i wasn't that far off i wasn't too far off i was i was certainly on the pace at the right time sometimes but it's just so tough you miss out if you don't win every heat or come at least first or second in every single heat you just won't score enough points to make it to the final. Uh, so check that out. It's a really good race. I can't give enough praise for the people who are good at the current iteration of BRKC. Despite Brad's digs at me at the beginning of every show about my karting ability, I am a good karter, and I have had some decent success in my karting. Um, however, I can't even blame weight, because at BRKC, everything's weight equalised to 90 kilos, and I have raced in BRKC at 90 kilos, and I still suck there. And the ability of some of these drivers, the precision and the accuracy and the consistency of some of these drivers is stuff that I have just never seen before. And when we first started doing it indoors and Ruben Bootens won six on the bounce, everyone just thought, well, it's just him being incredible. But then over the last few years, we've had a few more contenders turn up who have started to take the crown from him um i very much want to call him our own sean Briley. won it last year and had it cruelly taken away from him this year with the cut with car issues um but it's just such a spectacular event where you literally can watch some of the best people in the world my favorite story though is um there was a guy called um matthias gruten um who's a good friend of ours who is from where's where's gruten from he is from Belgium. Yeah, so he's Belgian, and he's a former world champion. He came, he turned up on the Saturday, had never seen the track before. and You're going to ne- make it sound easy with this story. <laughs> he had never seen the track before, and he hadn't been there for Friday to do any practice. Um, in the race with him was a two-time uh, women's world champion. Was it Anna Leon's two-times world champion? I don't remember. This yeah. was a long time ago. It's it was a long time now. ago. And Matthias turned up, he qualified in P3 and went on to win the race. And it's, for me, it is still the most incredible performance, despite Sean's incredible performance in the semi-final on Saturday, on Sunday, uh, that I've ever seen in a go-kart period. 
Um, so to, for people who say that indoor karting isn't a sport or isn't real karting, haven't got a clue what they're talking about. If if you saw if you see this particular event and these videos, it might change your mind on that. But this is just more of much more of an elite rental car event than you'll ever see. I I'm gonna put my hand um, up and say this is the best event of its kind in I the agree. world. And to answer Connor Edwards' question, wasn't Aldas in that? So Aldas, a very popular Formula One content creator on YouTube, he was in it, um, and and I think he really enjoyed it. Um, I can link it, Lennart as well. Lennart asking for a link. But if you just search for BRKC on YouTube, you'll find it. So congratulations to Vika Schleds, um, our Dutch. In fact, it was a Dutch one, two, three on the podium. Um, the British champion and second place and third place are all Dutch. Um, so there we go. Um, in fact, <coughs> almost almost every champion we've ever had has been Dutch. Except sure. Um, we've had a, one oh, and a Brit, Polish and a, one a, Brit, a, one and a Pole. So there we go. There we go. Some go-karts that I was doing. Um, and and I came twenty third out of hundred. Is that what it ended um, up being? Yeah, 23rd. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not you my made worst my children ever. sad by doing bad qualifying. It's not my worst. I think I was thirty first once, but yeah, it's um the the middle fifty are within a fraction of a tenth of a second. It, it, you literally cannot afford a single mistake, and um, I mean the my only chance of winning one race there. I screwed it up because I messed up my pit stop because that's the other element that's added into the BRKC that you don't get from any other championship out there, which is they have a pit stop system where you have to make a pit stop every single race. So it adds another element. So it's not just about being fast. It's about strategy. It's about being able to stop on your marks to not break the, the, the timing beam for you mean, you mean our patented F laps laser assisted foolproof laser assisted pit stop system which isn't called flaps deliberately <laughs> apparently um, that that's what the person who made it tells me right. um, Alex what what's coming up in the next week in Formula One have we have we got anything to look forward to we're a little way off of the launch season just yet aren't we we are a little bit far off the launch season it's why I'm starting to message people I know in Formula One to try and get some guests on because news is a bit light at the moment I mean you never know next week this whole um, the whole thing with the Saudis and Ben Salayam and Liberty might like, might um, pick up some steam and we might have some more information on that but um, this time of year it does get a little bit slow so we're going to try and have some guests on uh, we're going to try and try and get some guests. We haven't got anything lined up at the moment, but we're going to try. Lennart says there's some new Andretti news. So I don't know that. Maybe we'll touch upon that next week. Um, and you're right. They're probably, it is going to be probably another slow news week, but I would like to get a guest on. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, it'd be nice to get someone with slightly differing views to us. Um, but I'm going to have to work out the tech for that. Um, so, so, sorry. Um, I know talking, what you're going to say. Talking about your flaps laser. I know what you're going to say because I read the is, same comment. It is another perfect Kyleism. You're going to say um, it, aren't you? For Mr. Carpal, saying gonna... a labia laser. Yeah, you said it. You said it. Okay. I saw that comment and chose not to not to say that one. But... We can say it on here. We're allowed to say what the fuck we want. It's great. Okay, you're right. And... I will try and remember to mark this podcast as unsafe for work or um, or explicit or whatever I'm supposed to do on Apple, which I forgot to do last week initially. Um, so apologies <laughs> to anyone whose children heard Alex. We are not safe for your Wednesday morning commute. Um, Stuart Neal asks, is Elon Musk buying F1? I tell you what, if he did, that would be something we could talk about next week. I, so- would, I would like Elon. I don't like Elon Musk, but at least he'd be in it for the technology and we'd probably see some crazy stuff. Um, it's you know 
Which, some bad, which, some bad stuff. Which, which, which evil would you rather have? The, the oh, evil's the wrong word. What bad would you rather have? Saudis or Elon? Oh, I actually don't know. I actually don't there we know go. because that's something for the chat and for the comment section. Who would you rather have on the sport, the Saudis or Elon Musk? So I think we've probably run out of um, fuel for this week. So let's do our final things then, Alex. Um, before we go, you all need to remember to follow Alex on Twitter. Uh, he's at Alex Van Jean. Uh, on TikTok, I believe, he's also at Alex Van Jean. So Correct. go give him a follow. He is posting clips of various things, normally pretend race cars of him or his team crashing, um, but also sometimes posting clips of this show. Uh, but you've already listened to it, so probably not worth doing that. Um, <laughs> follow me at Bradley, uh, sorry, at Bradley Philpot on Twitter, and please subscribe to this YouTube channel. Um, if you're not on the YouTube channel, oh, we've had a super chat. It's not a question though. New made um, has sent a super chat and Thank says, "Great you, show, made. guys." Hashtag is a podcast. Hashtag not safe for work, which is all true. <laughs> um, so thank you very much, New Made. Um, so yes, yeah, subscribe to this channel, like the stream, and if you're on Twitter. You know, think about moving over to the YouTube stream for the next one because it is better when you can see our pretty faces. Um, so until next week, we'll see you guys. Oh no, hang on, I didn't I didn't use the thing. You sent me a thing. What was the what was the line you wanted me to use? Um, it was terrible. It, it was, was like, it was it was awful and inspired by a friend. It was of like mine. full right, the, the outro, it was something like I'm gonna try full and paraphrase. Send. Where is it? Full send, full speed, full chat, or something terrible something like, that. Awful like that. As we keep saying in the comments, send us what you would like our, ex- our, our exit music, to, our exit sign off to be. I'm going to use that one. I'm just going to use it and until if, next and week. If, and if any of you create music and want to make us some music and some um, um, stingers for the show oh, yes. uh, for, for, and- for free, we'll happily take you up on that. So I'm going to use the one that that person sent in that I can't remember very well. Um, so until next week, remember to keep it full speed, full send and full chat. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.